Are your CDs scratched? Remove those pesky scratches by rubbing the underside with a banana in a circular motion. Now with the underside of the peel, rub it in a counterclockwise motion. Now wipe it clean with a cloth. Worked, right? Think so. Oh, and get an iPod already. Speaking of CDs, in the event that you need to transport a bagel, and who doesn't, remove the stack of blank CDRs you haven't used since 2004 and replace it with said bagel. Then click the top back in place and insert into your fanny pack. If you need to get rid of a pesky rodent, you can do so with a single Dorito. Just take a corner of the Dorito and press the trigger of any gun pointed at the rodent. How's it going, everybody? My name is Chris Erickson. I'm one of the pastors here at Fountain Springs. And uh, I just want to say welcome. Uh, whether you are here at the West Location, at the East Location, our brothers in RCMU, uh, maybe you're out on the lake celebrating Fourth of July a little early, uh, wherever you are, welcome to our third week in the series of Life Hacks. Uh, we've just been walking through these practical and, and godly applications we can apply in our life to do life better. Uh, this first week, we talked about integrity and how integrity is one of the most important gifts we can give somebody. Uh, last week, we talked about contentment and how we are to live as a people that are faithful to God and what he has for us and, instead of this culture of I want. And today, I'm very fortunate that I get to share something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's legacy. Uh, you know, legacy isn't something we talk about a whole lot, uh, we don't focus on, but we should because it's important. Our legacy is going to outlive us. Most of us have already started laying a foundation for a legacy. And so I thought, uh, what better way to start this legacy conversation than by talking about a guy who actually got the chance to change his legacy. I'm talking about this guy right here. Uh, his name's Alfred, and as you can tell from the photo, he lived a while ago. Uh, he was born in Sweden and was this scientist, inventor, chemist, all-around whiz who loved explosives, which is pretty fitting for right now. Uh, he worked with this certain chemical or compound called nitroglycerin, and at the time, that was the main explosive they used, but it was really dangerous because it was volatile and unstable, and, and no one could really handle it. And so he thought, well, what if I could actually find a way to make this safe? Oh, what if we could come up with something that was not only able to handle, but more effective? And through his research and his studying of this, he actually invented dynamite. Uh, now, this revolutionized certain industries. I mean, think of the mining industry, construction industry. Countries were buying dynamite up left and right faster than they could produce it, and he was making a killing off of it. Well, as he went through life enjoying it, he got to a point where uh, he was just mainly enjoying his life and the success that he had, and he was sitting one day reading the newspaper. Now, he decided to turn to the obituaries because his brother had recently passed away and he thought his obituary may be in there. And as he's getting through the newspaper, uh, he realizes that the newspaper made a mistake. I uh, see it was Alfred's obituary in the newspaper because they thought it was Alfred that passed away. And what did 
unique and odd opportunity for him. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't really plan on knowing what people say about me after I've died. And so here he gets this chance to actually see what people think about him. And he gets all excited thinking, well, I wonder what they're going to say about me. I wonder if it's going to be dynamite or maybe this other invention or maybe it's this company that I revolutionized or this industry that I helped or maybe this country or this country. And he gets excited and he gets to the top and there's a title that says this, Merchant of Death is Dead. I'm guessing that's not exactly what Alfred was expecting. Uh, and as he reads through, it actually states that Alfred made his money inventing more ways to kill people faster than ever before. Harsh. <laughs> Maybe that's why we shouldn't know what people say about us uh, once we've passed away. But this, this really rocked Alfred. Because, uh, see, he realized two things in that moment. First, that this merchant of death that's his legacy. That's what he is leaving behind. That's what people think about him. The second was that he didn't want that to be his legacy. He knew he needed to change it while he still could. So he decided then and there to intentionally change his legacy. Whether we agree with this or not, or whether we believe it's actually happening, each and every one of us are leaving a legacy. And when I say legacy, I mean this. A legacy is what we leave behind. See, every single one of us will leave something behind for somebody. It will impact somebody. And that's a good thing because the Bible says we're actually supposed to be doing that. In Proverbs, it says this, good people leave behind an inheritance to their grandchildren. Now, I'm guessing when people read that, they see the word inheritance, and they instantly think, well, money. I'm supposed to be leaving money behind. <laughs> and it would be great if all of our grandparents just left us this mound of cash to play with. That's not exactly what the Bible is talking about. See, what it's saying is that each of us are supposed to leave an influence. We're supposed to leave a set of values, beliefs, a work ethic, an attitude, a mindset, something that is going to impact and help the people coming after us. The issue is uh, not everyone's intentional with what they leave behind. Sometimes we just don't care, and we're very unintentional, and it can cause a lot of damage. I wanted to give you an example of an unintentional legacy, uh, just so you could see the damage that it caused. So I have a bit of a trivia question for everyone. Uh, there's a person, I want you to guess, I'm going to list some things in their legacy, and I want you to guess, just in your minds, not out loud, uh, who this person is. So here we go. Uh, the person I'm talking about was a football player, a good football player. He played in the NFL and uh, was actually a Hall of Famer, so pretty great. Uh, he was a running back, and over the course of his career, there were four different seasons, he led the NFL in rushing yards. It's something I'll probably never do. Uh, he actually still holds the record for fastest player to reach 2,000 rushing yards in a single season. Now, 2,000 yards is tough to do. Many, many running backs will never do that. He did it the fastest, so incredible player. If you don't know who I'm talking about yet, when he retired, he went on to have a very successful career in television. He had his own sitcom. He had commercials. People loved him on TV. Uh, let, me, let me give you, just in case you don't know, let me give you one more hint. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm guessing we see a, a white Bronco 
we're not thinking of a football player anymore. Uh, we don't picture an athlete when we see this photo. And if you don't know who I'm talking about yet, of course, I'm talking about O.J. Simpson, who was a great football player, one of the best we've ever seen, but we don't remember that stuff. No, we're too busy trying to figure out whether he did or didn't do it. And I'm sure that's not what he wants us to remember, but he was very unintentional with what he let behind, and it's caused a lot of damage. Uh, thankfully for us, the Bible has given us a lot of great examples of, of good and intentional legacies. And there's one I wanted to share with you. Uh, there's a man in the Bible in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah at the time was living in Babylon. Uh, what happened was the Babylon Empire went to Jerusalem, destroyed the city, took everyone captive, and brought them back as prisoners to Babylon. And after a few years, they, they let them go, and they let them decide, well, you can stay in Babylon, or you can go back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah decided, well, he'd rather stay in Babylon, because he had a pretty good gig. Uh, see, at that time, he was the king's cupbearer. Not something we have today, uh, but his whole job was to keep the king's cup safe. See, back in that time, there was a lot of threats to the king, a lot of people trying to assassinate him, something I know, I know we wouldn't even joke about in this day and age. But that's what they had to deal with. So his whole job was focused on making sure this cup was safe. You know, he didn't have to worry about anything else. He didn't have to worry about what he was going to eat, what he was going to drink, the money he was going to make, the clothes he was going to wear, where he was going to sleep. Everything was taken care of for him. He stayed in the palace with the king all the time, focusing on this cup, and he didn't have to think about really anything else. So life for Nehemiah was pretty good. Well, one day, his brother and a couple other guys who did go back to Jerusalem came and visited Nehemiah in Babylon. And, and while they were talking, Nehemiah asked them, oh, hey, how are things back in Jerusalem? The response he got kind of shocked him. Uh, they told him this. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Uh, See, we need to understand that when a city has lost its walls and its gates, it's not a city anymore. Imagine the town you're living in was destroyed overnight, and the next day, you just decided to keep living there. And over the course of however many years, you never, ever touched any of the rubble. You just, you just kind of lived in there. Uh, there was a, a great amount of disgrace, uh, of shame, of defeat, of hopelessness in Jerusalem. And this rocked Nehemiah to his core. He had never thought about what it was like in Jerusalem. But now that he heard this and the hopelessness, it was, it was getting to him. And in fact, it got to him so much, this is how he responded. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah just couldn't believe what was being left in Jerusalem. He understood that was the legacy of Jerusalem and his people, just this disgraced, defeated city. That was what they were leaving behind for those to come, and he just couldn't bear it. So he began to pray, God, there's got to be something better. And as he prayed day after day, he prayed specifically this, please remember what you told your servants, Moses. If you are unfaithful, 
I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. See, Nehemiah knew there had to be something better in Jerusalem. And as he began to pray, he began to realize, yes, God actually has a better legacy for Jerusalem. God has a plan that Jerusalem would honor him, that it would be a city that people went to and knew God existed and God was powerful. But that plan also involved Nehemiah doing something about it. So as he prayed, he, he ended with this. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. So Nehemiah understood that God had a plan for Jerusalem's legacy, but that plan involved him, and therefore he needed to do something. You know, I, I grew up uh, watching this unhealthy relationship unfold with my parents. Uh, they fought a lot, and, and because of that, there was a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, and, and it ended up ending in, in a pretty ugly divorce. And I remember in high school thinking, man, I'm not, I'm not going to be anything like my parents. Well, uh, just like every kid ever, I ended up just like my parents. And because of that, one of the things I started doing was seeking out these unhealthy relationships where I would, I would begin dating somebody and just start hurting them. And I, I wouldn't know why I was doing it, but I just started walking down this same path of a relationship that I saw. And it was just a struggle for me to constantly be in pain in these relationships. I remember one day I was, I was talking to somebody and I told them my name, Chris Erickson, and, and when you hear the last name Erickson, you think, oh, I bet I know your family. You don't. There's a ton of us. But everyone always says they do. So they always ask, well, what are your parents' name? And I generally say their names and they're like, oh, nope, I don't know them. Well, this person actually knew my parents. And the response wasn't that great. Uh, they, they apologized for what I had to go through growing up, and they told me they felt sorry for me. Uh, I remember walking away from that conversation thinking, well, God, this is great. This is what the Ericsons are going to be known for, terrible relationships. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm just going to be known for hurting people in relationships. There's got to be, got to be something better than this. And like Nehemiah, I began to pray, Lord, you've got to have a better legacy for me. I've got to leave something better than this behind. Well, just like Nehemiah, God answered me. He said, yes, I have a plan for your legacy, but it involves you doing something. See, we need to understand that what we leave behind matters to God. Our legacy matters to God. The question is, does it matter to us? Do we care about what we leave behind? But, but maybe we've never had that conversation. Remember, we've never even considered what we're leaving behind. So maybe a better question to ask is this. What do you care about the most? See, for some of us, what we care about is being known as a hard worker. 
So that's what our legacy is going to be. That's what we're going to leave behind. For some of us, it's being a good friend, a good parent, a good spouse. For some of us, it's being right all the time, for getting justice, for being popular. Whatever we care about the most, that is what our legacy will be. That is what we will leave behind. But we need to understand that God cares. And he has a plan, but that plan involves us taking some steps to get to this legacy that he wants us to have. So today, the thing we need to understand is what are those steps? Well, we like to call them life hacks, uh, things we can apply in our life that are going to lead to a godly legacy, and I want to share them with you today. Uh, the first life hack is this. Leaving a godly legacy demands intentionality. Uh, after Nehemiah decided, okay, something needs to be done, he didn't just go to bed the next day and kind of let that fade. It, didn't, it wasn't this emotional reaction to where he was heartbroken for a little while, but then he kind of moved on to something else. No, it got him to the point where he needed to move. He needed to do something. So he actually went from this really nice job to going to the king and having a conversation about maybe quitting. In fact, this is the conversation he had. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. He understood that if, if this legacy was going to change in Jerusalem, he had to act. He couldn't just think about it. He couldn't just talk about it. He needed to do something. He needed to be intentional about it. But it doesn't stop there. He actually made a plan. Uh, the conversation continues. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I'll need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. See, Nehemiah didn't just think, okay, I should go do something. He actually had a plan. He was intentional about walking this out. And when I say this, uh, I say demands intentionality specifically because it's not something we can do without it. We can try to have a better legacy. We can try to have a godly legacy. But if we, if we remove the demands intentionality, it's never going to get there. Uh, imagine this 4th of July weekend, you're going to go to a barbecue. And then you find out that there's no meat at the barbecue. And they say, well, no, it's still a barbecue. It's not. It's a hippie drum circle and no one's going to get fed. It demands intentionality. I couldn't just say, okay, God, I want to have a better legacy. I want to leave a, a healthy relationship model for my kids. And it happened. No, I needed to make a plan. You know, for me in that moment, I realized I needed to give up dating, something I loved doing. I needed to go back to counseling and start working through some issues I had in my life. I needed to make a plan and stick with it because leaving a godly legacy demands intentionality. The second one is this. Leaving a godly legacy demands a selfless focus. Nehemiah didn't need to care about what was going on in Jerusalem. I, truthfully, his whole life was based around this cup. He didn't need to think about anything else. But it broke his heart. 
And so he decided he was going to move. But at no point was he focused on him. Uh, here, let me explain. The, the end of the conversation with the king goes like this. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, I highlighted set a time because what that means is Nehemiah wasn't staying in Jerusalem. He wasn't going to rebuild this wall and then build himself a nice fancy mansion or or make himself a nice company that was going to make him rich. He wasn't going to stay there and let people honor him for what he did. He didn't go and make himself king or ruler of Jerusalem. It wasn't about him. In fact, there were some things, some benefits in Jerusalem that would come about years after he left that he wouldn't even get to see. And that was okay with him because his focus wasn't on him. His focus was on Jerusalem and the people there and the people to come. If we want to leave a godly legacy, we need to understand the focus can't be on us. The issue is some of us try so hard to build ourselves up and our own legacy so people see us as successful. People see us as hardworking, uh, as popular. Uh, People see us as winners. We want people to think well of us so we focus completely on us and pretty soon our whole legacy is built around us. So the question you need to ask yourself today is this. Will your legacy be a memorial to you or an opportunity for others. See, I, I desperately wanted a healthy relationship with my wife, but it wasn't just about that. I wanted my kids to know what that looked like. I wanted them to have that. I wanted my grandkids and their grandkids to have that. I knew there were going to be relationships that had God involved in them that I would never see. But the work I put in now would change what happens then. My focus wasn't on me now. It's on them. See, our our legacy could be a celebration of us or a life-giving gift to those who come after us. But leaving a godly legacy demands a selfless focus. Uh, I I gotta say, if if you've enjoyed the first two... (laughs) You're going to love the last two. The third one is this. Leaving a godly legacy demands work. Now, I'd like you to imagine what would have happened if Nehemiah decided, okay, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, I'm going to make this plan. I'm going to get there. And then he gets there and people are like, all right, let's get to work. And he goes, well, I'm not really much of a worker bee. Uh, so you guys go work. I'm going I'm to go over here and uh, have some lemonade or something. I'm guessing a wall would not have got built. He knew that he was going to have to get his hands dirty. And it wasn't just a weekend thing. No, he knew that this was going to take time, energy, sweat. He was going to have to pour his life into rebuilding this city, into changing their legacy. We need to understand that if we want to leave a godly legacy, it's going to take a lifetime of work. See, I I knew that there were things I were going to have to work out in my life. Like I said, I went back to counseling and, and understood that There were some thoughts, some wounds, some mindsets, some attitudes that I would need to work through in order to leave this godly legacy behind. And I also knew at no point would it be like, okay, you're good. No, it'll take a lifetime of effort. But that's what leaving a godly legacy demands, work. 
And not just for a few hours, not just for a few days, a lifetime. The fourth one is this. Leaving a godly legacy demands discipline. You know, after Nehemiah left for Jerusalem, uh, it didn't go very smooth all the time. Now, the king gave him permission to leave, but a lot of other countries and leaders did not want him rebuilding this wall. In fact, a lot of them continually tried to oppress him. Somebody would even manipulate him, sending him messages saying, the king's mad at you. They don't like what you're doing. You need to stop this now. And every time, Nehemiah had to make the choice, well, I can either let fear creep in, I can either let doubt, or I can even just decide, you know what, this isn't worth it, I don't want to do this. Or he could be undeterred by circumstance. And so every time an obstacle came his way, he answered like this. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave the same reply. At any point, Nehemiah could have decided, you know what, this just isn't what God wants me to do. I just don't feel very passionate. I don't feel called to this anymore. I'm not getting any joy out of this anymore. I don't know if this is what I should do, so I'm gonna quit. Because the easy thing is quitting. That's why leaving a godly legacy demands discipline. And I'll tell you, we're not going to wake up the next day and have discipline and be perfect at discipline. There's a physical discipline, mental, spiritual, emotional discipline where we need to decide, I am not going to be deterred by circumstances. And maybe right now that's not you. And if you're someone sitting here right now saying, well, I struggle with being disciplined, next week is all about learning how to become disciplined. Don't miss that. Because if you want to leave a godly legacy, it demands discipline. There were many times I did not want to care anymore. Uh, the toughest was there were many times that I wanted to start dating again because I, I enjoyed it. But I also knew that I needed to be disciplined. And it wasn't just that one day, but it was every day. It demands discipline. But can I tell you something? It's, it's worth it. You know, for Nehemiah, he didn't ever want to give up because he so badly wanted to leave a better Jerusalem behind. He so badly wanted to change its legacy for years and generations to come that it didn't matter what it took. He was going to walk through this. For me, there's been so many times where I want to quit where I want to care about something else, but I so badly want to leave this healthy relationship model for my kids and my grandkids. I want people to know that my legacy was changed. I want them to be impacted by that for generations to come. And because of that, I'm not going to stop. We cared about what we left behind. So maybe we need to have the conversation what is my legacy? And maybe it's not ever something we've, we've talked about, but, but maybe it's time to start asking you that, yourself this. What do you want to leave behind? Do you want to leave behind a, a way to be a good parent, a good spouse, a good friend, a good servant? Maybe you don't yet know. Maybe you've never 
thought, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna leave behind. So maybe a better question to ask yourself is this, what will your obituary say? You know, I heard a good line recently, and that was that each day we are currently writing our obituary. Every day we mold what we are leaving behind, and we can be intentional with that or we can be unintentional. But what will our obituary say? What will people say about us after we've gone? You know, our friend Alfred, he got to see his obituary and he didn't like it. He didn't want to be known as the merchant of death, so he decided to intentionally change it. Specifically, what he did was some some pretty cool stuff. Over the next few years of his life, he invested over 90% of his fortune into creating these awards of excellence, all in the promotion of peace, uh, science, literary work, humanitarian aid, all of these awards of excellence to be handed out that people would remember to leave this world a, a peaceful place. He wanted to be known as a promoter of peace, not a merchant of death. So he created this award. Maybe you've seen it. It was named after its inventor, Alfred Nobel. The Nobel Peace Prize is now one of the most prestigious awards we could ever get. And it was all because some guy didn't like what his obituary was gonna say, so he decided to intentionally change it. (laughs) You know, I, I wonder if one man can change his obituary and impact the world. Just imagine what God could do with us if we became intentional about what we left behind. Just imagine what we could give people for generations and years to come. Guys, I love you so much. And I so badly hope that you see that God has a legacy for you, something special that is going to impact people for years to come. The question is, are we willing to walk out what we need to walk out to get there? I hope each and every one of us begin to ask, what do I want to leave behind? Do I care? What do I want my obituary to say? What do I want to give the next generation? Because if one man could change history, just imagine what we could do with God. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, in no way do we deserve your love. I have not earned the right to say I'm going to heaven. It's all you. And Lord, there are gonna be things in my life that people remember that aren't great. But at the end of it, I hope that they look back and know that God is there and God is powerful because of how I lived my life intentionally for you. I pray that everyone that is listening today will begin to believe that they can impact generations to come if they are intentional about what they leave behind. If they begin to seek out this godly legacy that you have for them.
we see how incredible it could be. Lord, thank you so much for caring about what we leave behind, for giving us the chance to impact the world. We don't deserve it, but you're just that good. We love you, Lord, and we are so thankful that you love us. Amen. What an awesome and challenging message. I'm a father. I have a one-year-old, and my wife and I are expecting a little girl uh, this October. And all this talk of legacy really got me 